Hello, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Direct Input Podcast. Today is Wednesday, December 13th in the year 2017. It is a fucking frigid night outside. And I'm at the Spencer Home Studio, joined by the one and only league guitar player of Abnormality, Piercer, master's student, Mr. Sam Kirsch. How are you, sir? Hello, Joshua. It is very nice to be here this evening. Well, you know, tis the season to share with friends and family, right? And it's much better than being outside. <laughs> What's the difference between friends and family with fucking being in a band when you're bandmates? Is there a difference? Is there a fucking line that you drive, you know? Oh, that's a good question. Um, they become your... I mean, you know, they're not blood-related, but they definitely become your family. You guys go through a lot. You kind of will have to support each other. And I think that you support each other in a significantly different way than with your family. Um, you know, your family has to love you. You don't have to love your bandmates, but you choose to. Um, and because you're, you're kind of connected by a common goal. And, you know, being in a touring band, being in your 30s, uh, you know, that is, it's a much different perspective. Especially, you know, when you're a little guy like us. <laughs> you like the new Morbid Angel album? I do like the new Morbid Angel album. Actually, it's quite, uh, I want to listen to it a little bit more, kind of get into it. But, you know, throwing it on in the background at work the last couple of days, um, I, you know, I would definitely listen to it at least two to three times in a row. It's the angriest Morbid Angel album. Yeah. I, I uh, don't think that I could really make any comments about like its emotional feel yet because I have not really super. I, I don't have a good idea about how the flow of the record goes, but um, Steve Tucker fucking is the man. The band's fucking determined right now. Yeah, and as well they should be. Yeah, you know, and uh, it's. You know, I didn't even listen to the record that came out before this one. Neither have I. Yeah, I the only song, the only times I've ever heard any of the songs is when it came on Spotify, and I wasn't fast enough to change it. And uh, I think I've seen them play. There's like three quote good song end quote uh, on the on Iliad, but it, you know if you look on there's a couple of websites that have those you know worst 100 metal records of all time, and really? it's like yeah, it's like load reload, Saint Anger, that Morbid Angel record. Wow. Yeah, it's fucking scathing. Jeez, that's that's a good power ranking though. I don't know. I think I think Saint Anger is worse than Load and Reload though. I never listened to Saint Anger, and I never listened to Reload either. You've never heard Reload? I don't think so. Just no, nothing except for the radio songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh I don't know. I just felt like those albums. It was them trying to sort of somehow be like some weird desert rock sort of shit, like. But still be heavy. Like, they definitely were like, oh, you know, Danzig, you know, looking like. I, eh. Too much of a change. However, this new Metallica stuff I think's fucking solid. And I don't understand why fucking people are so fucking anti fucking, uh, you know, fucking Death Magnetic and then the, the one that, that just come out here. You know, my issue with Metallica is really that I feel like they forgot where they came from. You know, where it isn't really about the music for me with them is that you know in the the late 90s early 2000s when metal was really hurting and bands like shadows fall and kill switch engage were and you know some of that that first wave of you know melodic u.s death metal hardcore stuff like black dahlia murder was just starting out like metallica chose to take disturbed and corn out on tour as opposed to those bands where the money was exactly it's where the money was and they forgot that they got their start because bigger bands were doing that shit for them 
and um, it's a terrible looking wake of Napster. Yeah, absolutely, all that shit. So you know, I for me, I I don't think Metallica is redeemable in any way, shape, or form. Nor will I give them the opportunity. That being said, wow. I did. Wow. I, I, wow. I, yeah, uh, I stand by that. Q Prime's <laughs> gonna call us and say, "Fuck you guys, fucking." That's totally fine. I'll say, <laughs> you know, I don't need, I don't need that shit. Oh no. Um, that being said, I did see Kirk Hammett's um, horror poster exhibit at the Peabody Essex Museum over the summer. Yes, that's up in Salem. He has got a traveling uh, exhibit. No, no, it's just there. Oh, it's just there. Just there. Fuck! I thought it was a traveling. Exhibit. No, it's only there. Is it still there? Yeah. I think so. I don't know. Go go online. I'll but you it. went to the premiere, basically. I, I went to. I saw him talk there. Really? Yeah, he did. Uh, you know, so I don't think it was the opening. I think it had been. I think it's been open for a while. When but, he talks, um, is it actually a wah wah pedal that just <laughs> accentuates his voice? Is it true that he walks around with wah wah pedals on the soles of his shoes? Comment. Uh, yes, yes, it is. But they're not really. They're they're not wah wah pedals per se. They're just they're just wah capable shoes. Like they're actually functional. It's bizarre. Like they got a heel and everything. <laughs> yeah, they pivot. They pivot when you walk on them. Get a good, you know, plug into a good solid baseline, and then you know you've got straight up theme music everywhere you go. So what he's what does he say? Like the Pete Town, uh, the Peter Frampton solo, like when he talks, fucking. Just like, Can you <laughs> no, he actually seems like a pretty cool dude. You know, to be honest, and I, I have not been really starstruck in a long time, but I was definitely like. Oh shit, man! Check it out. There he is. Oh, he's right there. Oh no way! Is he tall? Uh, I don't think so. You know, I don't know. Five four, five six, something like that. That's short, bro. Yeah, I mean, he could be five. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't really evaluating his height at the time. I was, you know, mostly just being like, "Holy shit, <laughs> fucking Kirk Hammond right there." <laughs> um, but he's got an interesting. You know, he's like super into collecting posters. You know, he's part of one of those. You know, underground communities that trades classic, buy you know buys buys trades and sells classic horror movie posters, and um, he's you know he's really into it. But they got him to uh, they, you know they they put a couple of his favorite ones up on the screen and had him improvise a guitar line for how the poster makes him feel like with the you know like stop yeah like if but if he were like um, scoring the movie himself with just his guitar how would he do it and it, it, it was pretty cool really yeah it was pretty cool i'm also just you know kirk hamill is a, is a huge uh, uh uh influence on my guitar playing so i don't know just like just, just seeing him in person I, I i and and of the metallica of the original members of Metallica, he is definitely the least douchey. Like he just seems like he's chill. Where he's like, "Oh, what the fuck? Really? All I want to do is just hang out. I want to surf, and I want to play guitar." Yeah, that's that's why I remember seeing out of him, and I watched that some kind of monster. Yeah, that's all, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like it. <laughs> Even though I don't like that that album that much, I, I definitely watched that documentary. But the year in the life of Metallica, oh, that's my favorite dude. Fucking Lars is talking. He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna take him fucking fire." How long it take Kurt to write a scene? Those solos are so timeless, though. Like, they're really simple too. You know, he kind of he kind of does the same thing over and over and over again. But the, you know, the dude's got feeling he's playing. Yeah, yeah. And that early stuff, yeah. There's a lot of wash shit on there, but he's a fucking good guitar player. Well, yeah. I mean, you look at fucking Kill 'Em All, 
there's some iconic stuff there, you know, like where I don't think that there's a single Kirk Hammett solo at really that doesn't stand out that that you wouldn't be able to hum. That's a good point. You know, that's and, a good point. You know that. Um, Although he's a very blues-based guitar player, he has a tendency to stay in the same several keys, and that's something that is not really uh, a characteristic of how people judge guitar players. You know, they're like, "Oh, he could do all these arpeggios, and he's all over here, and he taps, and he does this, that, and you know, he's moving out of his, in and out of his modes, and harmonic minors, and blah blah blah. He's following his chord progressions, or you know, substituting, and you know, that's like a, a lot of that." Uh, you know, guitar player discourse, but the, what, what playing guitar really is, it's about actually playing the guitar and how you choose to express yourself utilizing that instrument. You know, where, how fast you can play or any of that shit. That shit really doesn't matter. Um, it's cool. I mean, if you, if you want to express yourself on the instrument by shredding, be my guess if you want to do it by smashing your face into it you know i'm cool with that too in a controlled set of circumstances um but it's it really yeah it's just it's your own personal interpretation of it um and i like listening to a lot of guitar players who are very different than metal players you know i find more inspiration what jazz and stuff like that, like fucking flamenco, like like f- funk players. Oh yeah, um, lead guitar and funk. Not necessarily. No, 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 not shit? not lead guitar at all. Just just playing the guitar. You know, I really don't. Like Nigel, what's his face there? The guy who did like uh, the David Bowie and the Daft Punk stuff. Fucking. I don't know. I gotta play this Patrick Adams disc I got over there. Fucking right. like the classic soul and disco shit I've been all over. You know that shit's cool. Being able to, you know, and that's... It's great for bass playing. It's great for guitar playing, too. It, uh, it really... But it's, it's a totally different type of guitar playing than metal. So, you know, it's like it's like when I listen to guitar players, I'm really thinking of... And I know this sounds totally cliche, but, like, how, they, how their heart comes through it. You know, um, because the... The instrument is kind of when you get really into it, it really is an extension of yourself. You really start to feel like it's an extension of yourself. Um, and it's, this is a hard to define concept, but I kind of look for that. You can tell guitar players who mold into their instrument. Okay. You know where they like because when you're playing it and you're really in the zone, you know you you start to move with it. You ever heard that? That quote from Gene Simmons of all mm. people says you, you play uh, the guitar like you're fucking it, that's like a, you're fucking a chick. It's very, it's a crass way of putting it, but I understand what he's going for. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's the soul. You write with the yeah. soul, man. Yeah, you yeah. do. Uh, you know, I think that music is should be for the, its sole purpose is to be able to put it on the background and hang out with your friends. Yeah. And if it's anything more than that, if it's anything more than that, then it's like. You know, no disrespect to the technical music, but it's, that that stuff's like more music music for musicians. Yeah, I mean that's the thing too about metal is I think there's so many introverts and isolated motherfuckers in the scene and the good people, but it's complicated <laughs> shit. It's not exactly social fucking music that you hang out. You don't just fucking, you know, you you could, 
like you could sit around for four, you know, with four four of your buddies a bottle and just fucking sit there in silence, fucking thinking about the latest Burzum album or some shit. You probably do that. I, I mean, do, you know, I would never listen to Burzum, but I've definitely done that exact idea. You never like did you, now you don't listen. You say you never would because of the ideology or because of the uh, fucking just uh, the whole jive. Fucking, I, I just don't like the music. See, I'm a we- I don't think I'm a weird black metal fan. I don't like Emperor. That's I, what, I, you know. But Emperor's like the one black metal band that all the death metal dudes love. I don't like technical black metal at all. You know, see, so Emperor is totally different. I almost don't consider Emperor to be a black metal band. Really? Yeah, I mean, they are, but they're not. Okay, but like post post fucking anthems, I think you got a good case there. But yeah. Like, oh yeah. Po- so post anthems, they're yeah. they're just Prometheus em- is a progressive album. They're just Emperor at that point, right. you know. All right. They're they're the Isan Project plus guests. Is that guy solo stuff good? Like I I never pursued it, this you stuff. know he really needs Samoth. Really? Yeah, Samoth because Isan is a brilliant musician, but he really lacks a lot of edge. Really? And yeah. If you like, did you ever listen to Zyklon? Yeah. So the two over there. Yeah, Zyklon's fucking raw. Was like, yeah, it's it's uh, the one after that disintegrate. Yeah, dude, it's like just riffs, man. And I'm the way that I probably view their breakdown is that Isan is the guy who does all the symphonic pretty stuff, and Samoth is the guy who brings the riffs. And uh, Isan's missing the riffs. Are they fucking related to Zyklon B? No, that's a different band. See, I like that band way more than Zyklon. <laughs> like, I don't think like, I've ever listened to them. Ah. Dude, like that whole fucking North scene in like '96 has some fucking f- crazy, fuckingly amazing stuff. But like, it, at the end of the day, dude, fucking, I like my Forgotten Woods. You know, I I love Dakthrone because Dakthrone keeps it fucking fresh. I'm just like, really getting, it. I'm just, you know, I, I don't want to say get it. I don't want to say getting into it, but um, kind of finding myself, yeah, finding myself in the mood for it more. What, what what's the? Uh, is there an album there that? Um. The what? one Doctor One album that fucking kind of turned you around a little bit. Uh, you know what? It isn't that. I think it's like years of trying. So by at this point, I've probably listened to the majority of the catalog and I'm relatively familiar with it. Uh, but I like the new shit, to be honest with you. And I don't know if that's like anathema to what... Real Dark Throne fans say, and they're going to kill me for that. Real but. Dark Throne fans love everything they've done. All right. fucking, they, I mean, there's certain fucking people that just get hung up on the three... Unholy Trinity. Yeah, like, and, uh, you, know, like, you know, like I, I, you know, what's that? Too old, so called. Too old, too, too, uh, too, too, old, old, too, too cold. cold. Yeah, that one was cool. What's the newest I one? Hate them. Uh, the new one's Attic Thunder. Uh, I think I've Prior- listened to that a couple of times. Yeah, there's that, and then the uh, what's the other one? Fucking the Underground Resistance was good. Mm. But then there's this other trilogy of um, fuck off and die. Uh, Fuck off and die. Dactylons, Black F- Flags, and Circle the Wagons are mm. fucking three really, really cool albums. I think. I think Federus is a righteous dude. Yeah, definitely, because he's a fucking pioneer. And he is fucking totally committed to keeping that shit legit. You know. He's going on record saying he spends ten thousand American dollars every year on music, hard copies. More power to him, man. His SoundCloud show is really good too. You turn me on to that. Yeah, fucking, I love the SoundCloud yeah. shit. Fucking, dude, who else does that though? Like, fucking, there's some guys that fucking try to, you know, like they'll get something on fucking Sirius, you know, on Liquid Metal, or maybe I, I don't know. But like, he's like the only dude that just does it for the love of the game, sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. fucking, like no strings attached. It's for free. Mm-hmm. Fucking, there it is. And, you know, you know, he's the one of the last. I don't think that he ever capitalized on the commercialization of black metal. 
He ain't playing live. No, not only that, he's not fucking leaving Norway for the most part. No. <laughs> and he stuck to his guns. You know, like, black metal is not just music. You know, back in the 90s, black metal was a social movement. You know, and I think it needs to be, you know, it, when it was still in Norway, it, it, it was something different than it was as soon as it left Norway. Isn't it weird, though, that we have, like, wicked tumultuous times nowadays? Like, since the turn of the century, there's been some pretty wild shit that's gone on. That, in my opinion, is way more fucking wacky than really anything that happened in the 90s. But then, like, black metal, granted it's Norway, granted it's more a rejection of Western civilization. I don't know. It just seems like there's never, like, there's not enough creative fucking energy, I, I feel like, that's coming out that's, you know, as a direct result of fucking, of the anger that's kind of everywhere right now. Rage Against the Machine was the last band to really do shit fucking be commercial about fucking being fucking angst-ridden and defiant and resistant and shit. And that's during fucking Bill Clinton, bro. Yeah, like, I think that's come true. come on. Like, I'm trying to think about another example. There's not much out there. I mean, pop music in general fell apart fucking about yeah. 20 years oh, ago. Oh, yeah, that's, that's just totally useless. Yeah, I don't really think... I can't really think of anybody. It's probably going to be in hip-hop, but those guys are going to be saying the most shit. Yeah, like Chance the Rapper, I guess, is like the guy. Do you listen to much hip-hop? Yeah, I do. I, I, I know nothing, f- for the um, most part. I don't watch the... I have. I mean, I'll watch fucking the thing on Netflix, and I'll probably become an expert after that, but that's the closest I'll get right now. Fuck yeah, me. it's cool. It's a decent... I wouldn't call myself like a crazy... I'm not like super into it, but that's like the thing I listen to when I'm not listening to metal. Really? Yeah, I think it's cool, man. I like the wordplay. <laughs> I'm going like, to have the, probably the nerdiest perspective on this type of thing, but... Really? Yeah, but it's... um. You know, I think that some of those guys really should be taken very seriously as as writers, and they're doing things with the English language that nobody else has ever really done before. Um, so, you know, I, I don't really like that dance club style hip hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, but I can respect where it comes from. Yeah. You know, and it's uh, it's very commercial, but there is some of it that is still very authentic. Um, you know, so, but. I like the underground stuff. I like the political shit. Um, I like the violent stuff to some extent, but then there's some of it that I'm just like, oh, come on, man, shut up. Who do you think is the most, like, fuck it? Who's, like, the super pill of, all, like, all that stuff that you just mentioned right there? That, like, everything all in one supplement. I would, right listen to, I would listen to Jedi Mind Tricks. Really? Yeah. It's a great name for a fucking band. Yeah, yeah, Jedi, yeah, Jedi Mind Tricks. And anything that that group of guys does, you know, so there's, like, an ar- Army of the Pharaohs, Self t- self titled, uh, Necro to some extent, Ill Bill. Uh, that shit's cool. And if you're into metal, you should definitely listen to that stuff because it's fucking bad. Yeah, it's bad. That's the reference. Oh, Diabolic, too. Listen to Diabolic. I don't know that. Yeah, Diabolic. His shit's pretty good, too. Fucking nonfiction. Didn't you, didn't you go see? Yeah, no, yeah, I didn't say nonfiction, but I should have. Yeah. That's yeah. like the only. I only know, like, the most recent rap I've actually kind of sort of paid attention to is that. That Necro, Ill Bill, Gore-Tex. Yeah, that stuff's cool. And then you get like early Nas. Okay. Um, Tech Nine. What about Immortal Technique? Isn't that oh, like Immortal Technique's thing? fucking awesome. See, the last rap that blew my fucking mind, though, with ability is, is that is, uh, Twister. Yeah, Twister's kind of cool. That's just That stuff's a little more on the dance clubby kind of shit for me. But it, well, it's uh, 90s. Yeah, yeah. Is it really? I think it is. I don't know that. I could be totally off. But I'm he's not cool. A fucking connoisseur. Yeah, he's cool too. I got into Twisted because fucking, I was talking. I was hyping up Bone Thugs because Bone Thugs. Bone Thugs is cool. 
that's cool to me because they it's like most rap boys the fuck out of me. I don't want to sit there and listen to fucking poetry to be honest. That Kendrick Lamar, that shit's good. Is it good? Yeah. It but is, can he like sing sort of thing? Like the both ve- thugs it's, sing. It's you very know? different. I, that that new Kendrick Lamar record though, that shit is, really? that shit is booty music. Really? Oh yeah, absolutely. I was I remember most of Is it more booty than the weekend? Cause I yeah, like oh, the oh yeah, yeah. Really? Oh yeah, definitely. Like <laughs> See, I, I like the weekend. I, I, I think rap, I likened though. it. Is that the that new Kendrick Lamar record is actually the sound of a penis sliding into a vagina? No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I heard the other day listening that the Scorpions when they recorded the Rhythm of Love, fucking they had chicks sit on the fucking fa- uh, faders at the fucking studio, and they slid up and down on their ass and like pretty much like faded out riffs and shit. With their asses, and hence the rhythm of the fucking was was born there. Fucking, uh, I I would doubt that that actually happened, but legends. This is how legends get started. That's the scorpions, I, I right? It is the scorpions, so you know? it very well could be true, but it sounds pretty far fetched. <laughs> yeah, bands don't fuck anymore on albums. Guns N' Roses did it on fucking... Yeah, didn't Axel, like, bang the drummer's girlfriend? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Got it's it good. Fucked. Yeah, that's fucked up. <laughs> Imagine fucking one of us fucking... <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, even, like, one, like any other band from around here, like, we've all hung out together and played shows and, like, you know... Oh, yeah, that's fucking... fucking Check that shit out. Ah, no, yeah, man, our drummer's show, fucking girlfriend show. got banged fucking on the album and we put him there because he's a cocksucker people are so appreciative of their drummers nowadays they're like no i don't want to fucking yeah i don't want to participate that's, that's kind of fucked up man well but like you know la in the late 80s everybody's yeah. just doing blow then you know they're like it just seems like a probably good idea i bet everybody was doing it really scorpions were yeah you know there's, there's like a led zeppelin thing about that or something like that too isn't there I heard that fucking Eddie Mercury got his dick sucked while recording Bohemian Rhapsody and singing fucking like all those lines. He was getting a blowjob. See, I had heard that that same story was Jim Morrison and the end. Really? Yeah. Really? So, so this is. <laughs> well, I read that story in like a Motley Crue book, like because it was the same piano oh, yeah, that the- they did uh, Home Sweet Home on. I have no idea. You got me on that. You got me on that one. <laughs> I have no idea. You'd probably get like a sexual assault charge if you fucking did that nowadays. I bet. I mean, somebody would get pissed. You'd probably <laughs> trigger somebody into that. That's a whole other complicated issue right there. Danger, danger. What's a complicated issue with you, though? Fucking, you, you, you're talking about male gender studies? <laughs> wow, this is a nice segue into that one. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, I a mean, crash guy over here. You know? So, what's this all about? Gender what studies. All, what is, all about? is this so, worth your time? Is yeah. it a really good thing to talk all about? Right, all right. So, I study international development. That's what my focus is. I'm in a master's program for international development. How they develop internationally what? Uh, uh, why are the rich rich and the poor poor? Okay. And why does why is it getting worse? Why isn't it getting any better? Um, and then, so, so is the study of men as a gendered being. So when you think of gender studies, the first thing that you always really think of is women, right? Yeah, yeah, dudes that, too. Yeah, dude, dudes too. But it really is overwhelming when you think gender studies, you think feminist movement, right? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would right. think fe- feminist movement. Correct. So, so, gay, lesbian. Yeah, but never men. So there's yeah. there's a a, a, a 
a, a supposition that all of the other gender possibilities are flexible, but men are totally, for lack of no pun intended, rigid. <laughs> rigid? You mean like the fucking power tools? Exactly. Fucking exactly. rugged, dirt, you know? that <laughs> They're only sold at Home Depot? The, qu- the questions that, cu- that I ask, right, is that if men, if white men especially in this country, have all of the money, all of the power, and all of the access to resources... Why is it that they have the highest suicide, completed suicide rate of any social group in the country? And why do they have the lowest attempted suicide rate of any social group in the country? So why is it that when they commit suicide, they they successfully commit suicide? You know, so... Say it again. Highest success... Highest suicide rate... highest Highest completed suicide rate, lowest attempted suicide rate. So that means that when men try to commit suicide... They really do it. They really fucking do it. This is rich people. This is everyone. Oh, really? This is huge. Just it, American dudes? Think about... Like, more so than fucking, like, Japan or, like, that is, even China? So that stuff is... Canada? Way further research for me. Okay. You know, what I'm really dealing with is what's going on inside of this country currently. Um, because that stuff... I mean, that, that would be a whole other podcast. I wanted to talk about that. Um, but, so that's the issue. And, and then at the same time, you know... The other question is if that there are eight men in the world who have more money than 50% of the population combined. Eight men in the world. Have more money than 50% of the population. So what's that? 50% three, of the population. Three and a half billion people. Eight people have more wealth than three and a half billion people. Eight people. Yeah, and also I that's don't, like I, dudes, right? Th- it ain't like wives and stuff combined and like families. So it's like one dude <laughs> is worth that much with eight families around it, right? There's two two disclaimers. One, I don't have any of this data in front of me. Okay. <laughs> two, I've actually completely forgotten where I've gotten it, and uh, it, it's something like that. All right, there's some massive disproportion of wealth. Okay. Forget the exact numbers. All right. um, you know, but they would have they really would have the capability to alleviate world hunger. Um, you know, put food, uh, 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 healthy drinking water into the hands of everybody, and the environmental degradation would stop, you know, or at least slow down, <laughs> you know, but, and, but they don't do it. They don't want to do it. And not only do they not want to do it, they develop a social structure that makes it possible for not only them to be completely protected from anybody taking their money, but also makes them more money at the same time. And why... Do they do that? And so the only so there are a lot of ideas, but for me and the, my research is is that is it's only men who really do it. Um, suicide. No, not suicide, but the pursuit of wealth. Okay. You know uh, that kind of that kind of fucking enormous wealth that that you know there's a, an idea that you only need about 70 to 90,000 dollars a year to live comfortably in this country. 70 to 90? 70 to 90,000 dollars. And I'm not sure if that's in it by the individual or by a combined household, but regardless, that's really not a tremendous amount of money. You know, there's no reason why you would need 4 and a half million dollars a year if in the fact that it, you know you're essentially taking that money out of circulation and there are millions upon billions of people who are starving to death. And who are working in the factories that are making our stuff. The global economy is extraordinarily unbalanced in the favor of the West. 
the West. The West. Where does the West stop, by the so way? So the West would be United States and Western Europe. Where's Western Europe stop? Uh, that would be Spain to Poland. No Germany. No, no, Germany's in between. So really, so... West so, of Berlin? Um, with the fucking wall? You know, I would say England, France, uh, Belgium, Netherlands, and Germany would be the big ones. But it really any... Yeah. You know, anybody who's on the western side of Poland. Okay. You know, that then you get into Eastern Europe, and then that becomes kind of a different... What about Morocco? Uh, well, Morocco's a French colony, so... I don't know if they're still a French colony or not, but I, I'm pretty sure that they are. But they, uh, they, you know, they're considered North Africa. So is anywhere in Africa considered the West? No, that would be that would be Africa or the Middle East. In my, in my opinion. Do we consider and credit South America to be part of the West? No. What about Mexico? No. Really? So, you've got this model. They call this the. What was it the first the first one? So. What they ask in the 1950s is after World War II, they create this idea of, of modernization. So they create a s series of stages that each society is supposed to go through. And those are the things that will wind up causing countries to, quote, develop, end quote. So what they leave out of this discourse is that the reason why all the countries in the world are poor is because they've been systematically you know Jesus I mean slash and burned for the last 450 years or so and it's the the reason why the West is so powerful and we have so many creature comforts is because we've taken them from the rest of the world you know uh, and we establish institutions that say that they're there to alleviate poverty but what they're actually doing is creating the poverty and making a shitload of money off of it. You mean the Iraq war was for nothing? The Iraq war was... Which one? And it's <laughs> actually a more complicated answer than that. You know, the first you know, one... Was there any time we've gone to war where it wasn't like that? You can make an argument that at World War II, but at the same, sure. at the same time... Not really, and you also have to like, you have to kind of take into consideration the types of wars that were fought prior to World War II and after World War II. Um, you know, there's two kind of different stages in American warfare. You know, you've got the Revolutionary War, which happened on our, our own soil, so that English settlers or American settlers at that time could wind up taking their independence from Britain. And then War of 1812, Britain tries to come back. is relatively successful. But the Napoleonic Wars drew their attention away from the U.S. and they kind of like mitigated uh, uh, like a half-ass piece and split. And they went back to fight Napoleon. And then, then you get the Civil War, which is super bloody and happened in a time period where weaponry changed. So um, tactics and mentalities and things like that, those had to, hadn't quite come around to stopping bullets in the same way right so you get that and then 18 well actually right before that you get the mexican-american war and that was over what they say is over mexicans shooting at uh texan settlers but in reality it's really they just wanted to get take texas back from mexico um which is what exactly what they did they made that all that shit up um 
Which is more of that imperialistic sort of taking right. theme. Exactly. We, uh, uh, anyone who's listening to this and wants this stuff, I would highly suggest reading Howard Zinn's People's History of the United States. Okay. Um, if you want, you know, because th- this stuff sounds like conspiracy theory shit, but it really isn't. And I can, you know, it, it is easy to back up in academic sources hmm. with people who, uh, you know, with peer-reviewed, very legitimate research. So prior to World War Two, that so, leaves us with World War One, which is another thing. But there's one war that many people don't fucking really talk about: Spanish-American War. Precisely. Teddy Roosevelt gets a lot of play on this one. And, well, I think uh, a, a great man, by the way. I'm really uh, I, on your agenda study. I would just like to say that I think Teddy Roosevelt is like, in my opinion, an ideal figure of masculinity in American fucking life. So, psychologically and biologically speaking, gender in and of itself what makes a man a man and what makes a woman a woman other than biological differences is a social construction it is it doesn't have to be there the fact that i identify as a man you identify with a man that stuff is actually means nothing other than how you choose to perform in a social setting so gender is a whole lot of social constructions all wrapped up in a type of performance essentially because sex and gender, you familiar with difference with sex and gender i'm not i mean i i always thought it was just male and female but so there's more to it now. yeah so sex is biological like the construction of your you like your chromosomal construction and what your genitalia is consisted of okay and then you have something called sex category which is then how people are ordered as far as being in being a man or being a woman, so there's so there's a difference between being male and female and man and woman, at least in the way that we're going to wind up. This is how we're going to talk about this. So man, male and female is going to be a biological sex division, and then uh, man woman is going to be how you discuss what role society plays in determining how you perform or how you present yourself to the public or inside of the community. Um, so that's kind of the, the so that's the basic world gender. So getting back to the changes in American warfare, right? Uh, and Teddy Roosevelt, so, ah, I can bring this back around. Um, <laughs> you know, he, as far as a performance of what uh, like a good, healthy American masculinity should be, he is not a bad example. Uh, but at the same time, he was extremely imperialistic. And the rationale for going into the Spanish-American War also is most likely fake. The, you know, the USS Maine either, I can't remember if it either sank because its, um, weapon, its weapons cache exploded or uh, if they wound up accidentally setting on fire themselves. You know, as like a false flag. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and who's it? William Randolph Hearst. Is he the newspaper man? The big newspaper man? Uh, around that time, the newspaper strikes? Right? Yeah, I, th- I think he was the guy. 1890, 1898, I think it was. 1899 was the paperboy strike, I think. All right, so, is... so, yeah. So, William Randolph Hearst. This is the first time you see deliberate manipulation of, uh, of events in the media for the, for the specific purpose of... Uh, exciting a war industry you mean fake news 
<laughs> not only fake news but propaganda. Okay. You know, not you know, not just making shit up, making shit up for a specific purpose that will then cause a bunch of people to make a fuckload of money. Is there a difference between fake news and propaganda? Um no, not really, because the term fake news itself is propaganda. Oh, ah, really? Ah, yeah, absolutely. My goodness. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a shocking admission, I know. I thought he was just telling it like it is. You know, he's 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 pretty good at that. You know, he's just, you, know, you could pretty much take anything for granted that he says as being a straight, you know, straight shooter. Okay. Um, well, good thing Teddy Roosevelt was a straight shooter, because we... We've won that war, if I'm correct, right? The good guys won? You know, but we still wound up with a really long, long-lasting, long protracted guerrilla war in the Philippines. The As Philippines? Why the Philippines? That was fucking like... I thought we were down in Cuba or some so shit. So we went to war in Cuba for the... So at the same... So the USS... So Cuba was a Spanish possession at that time, and so was the Philippines. So when we went to war against Spain, we went to go to war against Cuba and the Philippines because we wanted those areas as... Uh, areas of operation into the South Pacific. So when, so Teddy Roosevelt had, who was the secretary of the Navy at that time, I think he was, uh, sent a, the, the main American fleet into Manila Harbor before they declared war. So they were going to hit them no matter what and you get that whole thing. And they took, they, they kicked the shit out of them. But, and it's, it's interesting because the, 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 you know, the textbook on guerrilla warfare that the Filipinos used in fighting the Americans was the same. The, the, the Viet Cong took it, too. And so 70 years later, they're fighting guerrilla warfare using very similar tactics, I think, if I remember that correctly. Well, Che Guevara wrote, literally wrote the book on it, guerrilla warfare. I don't really know a lot about him. but he's interesting. But he's, he comes later. Sixty three, but that was it was after it was before Vietnam really. Yeah, but the Vietnamese have been fighting the French since I think I think since, since about after the Second World War. So anyway, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we got wicked depressed talking about Vietnam. Yeah, oh yeah, big time. So, but so Second World War, we come out of the depression, we go into the Second World War, and then you know that's when really a lot, pretty much everything changed. The social order had changed. So after the end of the First World War, most of the European dynasties, the really old empires, they collapsed. So the Austro-Hungarian Empire, so the Habsburgs went down, the Hohenzollerns went down, uh, the Romanovs, and then the Ottoman Empire in the Middle East. So there's like this huge power vacuum that really only leaves the United States and a very weakened England standing. Uh, France has. You know, ever since the French Revolution, never really regained their political standing. So they, they're kind of weak to begin with, and World War One didn't help them. So you, and then you know, Germany winds up reorganizing under Hitler at this point, and then you go into the Second World War. Um, but what I, what I, what I've been really thinking a lot about recently is, you know, I people treat the Nazi regime as being an aberration, as being something unlike anything that has ever been seen before. And in the studies that I've done, I'm not necessarily seeing that as being true, is that they seem, because they are not as, they're, the, the shit that the capitalist world systems have done in the last 400 years is worse 
than what the Nazis did in 12. Really? Yeah. Come uh, on. Yeah. The Nazis killed 6 million Jews in the Holocaust. They mechanized it. They, but they also made it unsustainable. You mean the system of killing Jews? They made it unsustainable. Their, their, their social system collapsed in 12 years. Capitalism has stood for, what is it, uh, 400 years? So so what, the, what was really happening, what, I, what I'm wondering is what happened is, is that the Nazis weren't bad. It, 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 they just stepped out of line, and there's actually a world system that's worse than them. Really? Yeah. Um, and... And I'm not absolving the Nazis in any way. No, no, no. But yeah, but shit like fluoride and fucking, you know, like Monsanto. uh, Fucking. We're talking about you know institutionalized slavery. Okay. Um, you know all of the wars that have that are fought as a result of capitalist movement. You know the genocides of the native cultures, the enslavement and ruination of Africa. You know, like, man, they fucked shit up, and they still and they did it. At the same time, the Nazis got their ideas from the from the West. You know, we, the, the Americans and the British were already talking about eugenics by the time the Nazis had ever heard of it. That's a good point. You know, um, real big in the twenties here. Yeah, it was, it was really big. And, you know, and it's that's that's what they really wanted. They used to do a lot of that stuff on French Canadians too. Because the, the thing is, is that the capitalist powers are very successful in in this this economic terrorism because they take over and enslave economically they don't do it through force well what's wrong with being economically it just means it's successful what's wrong with being rich we're gonna start punishing people for being rich yes you should what (laughs) yes because the this entire study of economics the it's considered to be like a science infallible um but it's based on what they could, what the, the the idea of economics is based on the idea of the rational man, and back in the I don't know when they really started this science, you know, this is late seventeenth century. Um, the rational man. Yeah, it, it, the the only person who could be a rational man to Western men was Western men. What do you what do you mean rational? Like legit? So like? so, so it's somebody who's capable of possessing um, full knowledge. And the education and social standing to be able to, quote, decide what's right, end quote. Is that because of God? Is this, is this an issue? Wh- whatever. It doesn't really, it, 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 it doesn't really matter because it's... Is a, this the Freemasons? Um, you, you don't even need them for this model. You know, you can... This whole thing is... The, is this playing to the sanctification that we inherently have coming here just trying to fucking help every fucking native that's out there and what well, is the Christ doing you know we got we got sugar it's gonna make your food taste better you know like that's sort of weird fucking I, I don't know sanctification might be the word it's not really pacifying but like you know uh, where we came here and tried to uh, uh, enlighten yeah, more like enlightened. I think that's kind of played off that way. So, well, that that's the problem is that the white, you know, white Western European or what Europeans uh, thought that their way was the way. I'm not certain that native culture was exactly the most peaceful fucking tree hugging experience. But I the, think there's a lot of war back I, then. You I, know? 
I would agree with that. I don't think there was a lot of war, but I think there was war. Right. And I think that it probably there could have been times where there was a lot of war, but not like the not like these motherfuckers have war. You know, I you know, and they they you know, indigenous cultures also have a history of slavery. Yeah. But it it's it's different than what white Western slavery is. What's it, different about it? I'm not an expert in this type of thing, but the general understanding that I get is that there isn't a sense of dehumanization in the way that we dehumanized Africans. You know, where Africans were less than human. And I think that this is probably a really complicated way to say because I don't know a lot about uh, traditional African culture and whether or not, and, and how their slave system worked. But they weren't capturing people and then building an entire industry that shipped them across the world. And um, I think that, that that's a difference. They weren't, like I said, I'm not an expert it's in this an type industry. of thing. It's industry. It's fucking... It's, it just has a different kind of sinister feel to it, you know. From enslavement to obliteration. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so then the thing to keep in mind is that during the transatlantic slave trade, the only things that were really traded were luxury items, slaves and the infrastructure to catch and keep slaves and transport slaves, and addictive goods such as rum, tobacco, sugar, um, and a handful of other ones. Uh, in addition to raw materials for making textiles or um, like you know metal goods yeah. that, that were then... So the raw materials were then taken out of the, the, the new world, brought back to England, and then refined into, co into commodities, and then sold or traded to Africa for more slaves. So it, this triangular trade didn't actually do anything other than make a couple of white men really rich and ruin the lives of millions of people. In addition to destroy cultures, you know, uh, annihilate entire, you know, histories of mankind. The long and short of this is, is that after World War II, the United States comes out as being the sole power with a tremendous amount of military bases and the fact that they discovered that they can pull themselves out of an economic depression through the utilization of their military. You know, so you get this military-industrial complex that's then created and that's how they make all their money and they just fuel war that way. But it's unsustainable. So then we get up to this concept of the First World War and Vietnam is like that too. Not the First World War, excuse me, the First Iraq War um, where it was over and done with really quickly and it, to my knowledge, Saddam Hussein actually did invade Kuwait. So we could still maintain this idea of being international peacekeepers. But there's a World War I general who wrote a book back in the, I think, 1920s called War is a Racket, which kind of outlines the, how the United States benefited economically from the war effort. And... And also, it's important to keep in mind that at that same time, there was a very powerful workers and socialist movement going on in the country. And that if the United States had lost, if the West, if the Western powers, if the Allies had lost World War One, there very well could have been a significant socialist uprising in England and the United States. Really? Yeah, because the capitalist powers are the ones who really benefit. And it became very clear that the rich was benefiting from the First World War. Uh, towards the end, after all the fucking poor young men of Europe are all dead. And um, people were getting sick of that shit. And if the reason why the U.S. got involved is because they lend they loaned a tremendous amount of money to England for weapons, 
And if England lost the war, the U.S. wouldn't get that money back. So then naturally they're invested in the war effort. They go over to Europe, and that's kind of why they start fighting. They're over there, I think, a little more than a year. Bottom falls out, and then peace is declared. And then you get the 1920s, economic prosperity, blah, 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 blah. You get to the end of the 1920s, the Great Depression happens, and the country falls apart. The only thing that really pulls it back together is the war industry. So... Um, that's kind of the thing that drives the American economy, but they don't really talk about that because, you know, our schools suck, but we have $50 billion to spend on fucking aircraft. You think it's possible that Trump might want to have a war with North Korea just because he sees the value in it? I don't think that that dude has any idea what what he's talking about. Oh, come on. He knows that. He's, he's good at money. He's good at markets. He knows what, you know, he knows what the money is. No, he doesn't. He's, he's a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> You don't think he would start a war just for the purpose of fucking making money off of it, let alone North Korea? I think that he would start a war for the purpose of not making money off of it for the wrong reasons. <laughs> you know, I don't think that he is smart enough to understand how these things really work, and he's going to... I mean, let me put it in crass, in crass terms, I guess, but... I think he's sinister. I, I, th- I don't think that he's smart enough to know that he... he would, if he were to start a war for money, he probably wouldn't start it for as much money as he possibly could. You know, I don't think that he understands the system well enough. Really? I think that he's connected well enough, but his advisors are morons, too. And uh, that's that's going to greatly hamper him. Um, yeah, I don't Yeah, I don't think he could start a war for what it's worth. Tied to soar like an eagle when you're with a pack of turkeys. <laughs> well said. Well, last night, fucking pretty historic occasion with Alabama electing a Democrat and Doug Jones to the Senate. I mean, this it's a pretty interesting election versus Roy Moore. Who's a judge in fucking Alabama? Who's a fucking multiple times accused fucking uh, pedophile, so to say? And um, it's like Trump fucking gets behind this guy, like not fully. He, he <laughs> dude. The name of the other candidate that Trump actually backed his name is Luther Strange. Fucking, that sounds like a comic book character to me. Like, just like a bad guy. Like, fucking, like, all put together. If he's like, got a PhD, man. He'd be Doctor Strange. Does it, yeah, right? You yeah, know. but I don't think they have doctors down. Like, I, I saw some map where, like, um, it has the majors of all, like, senators and fucking governors of, like, every state and province. Mm-hmm. And, like, the overwhelming majority of them, there's, like, it's pretty much split between fucking... Um, Mainly with Republicans, there's a lot of lawyers, and then mainly with a lot of fucking Democrats, it's it's a lot of humanities. But there's like it's hard to find science in it. Like yeah. Montreal, like Quebec has like a neuroscientist as like a fucking like official or some shit up there. Like it's totally different. Yeah, because politics are in and of themselves a totally different beast. Yeah, you know it's and the thing that's what I don't think that Trump understands. You know, is that. So the, I think there's kind of two things that make him very dangerous. One, he doesn't understand this, and two, he doesn't care. Yeah. And I don't think that any politician is, you know, you know, Trump is totally fine with crashing and burning politically because he doesn't have really, he doesn't want to be a career politician. So he's just going to funnel money to the richest of his friends and walk away. And I don't think that he, I don't think that he really gives a shit about the wake of. Destruction that he's leaving. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Obama necessarily was the most remarkable president by any means. I, and I'll, 
you know, granted he had a, a, a fucking Republican Congress for, against him for six years of the time, but um, I miss that fucking statesman quality like a motherfucker right now. I just want a statesman for fuck's sake, dude. I miss W. <laughs> like I miss I miss W. w. Like, you know, it's that it's that bad. I miss W. <laughs> w make you laugh. I mean, it was scary. This fucking guy, you know, and it was definitely it was definitely fucking corrupt. Like around him, you know, the Rumsfeld and fucking Cheney and that whole connection. But at least he tried to hide it with some decency. Yeah. <laughs> you know, skull and bones or some bullshit. Yeah, but the fucking Trump man, he, he's just. It's like Biff Tannen, dude. It's that's, like that's, what's going it, on? that's an excellent, excellent way of putting it. That, that is exactly right. Alternate 1985. That bro. is exactly right. Here we are. I wish this were alternate. You know, then I can go back to the normal one and just be like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, I mean, it, but at the same time, this is really fascinating because I want to see if the U.S. checks and balance system holds out, or if it is actually, you know, because what Trump is trying to do is really pretty frightening um you know people throw that fascist word around a whole lot and they don't understand what fascism is and what was really happening is in there this is kind of a type of economic totalitarianism that a lot of people don't understand that's happening to them right now um mm. at least in this country you know they talk about equating trump and hitler and I do think that these guys are smarter than the Nazis were about how to manipulate a population. Really? Yeah. Um, There's more ways to do it nowadays. I think that... Imagine what, Hitler, if, if Hitler had fucking Twitter. What Hitler's Twitter, like... He would probably be a much better public speaker. Um, <laughs> what but, type of music would Hitler post? What do you listen to, you think? Leibach. <laughs> Twitler's taking selfies of himself at the Leibach show. He would be the fucking biggest biggest Leibach fan. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to see fucking... I'm surprised Trump never... He's like, what if Trump gets an Instagram? What if Trump's just like, you know what, fine. I'm going to stop with fucking Twitter. I'm just going to get an Instagram I think his Instagrams would just be those accidental pictures you take when you don't realize that your forward-facing camera's on. Yeah. You know, it's just like like double chins and up your nose. I think that that's like the the first five to ten pictures on Trump's Instagram would be him trying to figure out how how the damn thing works. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he's got no fucking PR person, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. You know, nobody's like, Jesus fucking Christ, you better... It's unbelievable how how fucking bad at this shit he is, but at the same time, you know, if you want to, if you want to really extract good services resources from the population at a very low cost, he is doing it exactly the way that you would do it. You know, it's it's amazing to watch somebody change a country into a police state that fast. You think it's a police state? He is trying to. Yeah. What's wrong with supporting cops? Um, that this is they're they're being slowly turned into something that isn't a police officer anymore. You know, they're it's it, they don't have the same connotation in this country. I mean, and the question that I would have is, you and I are white guys, but I would the question that I would have is, what experience every minority has dealing with these these types of guys. And um, I think that there's a inherent racism that we probably don't see, but I think I'd be willing to bet that. I mean, look at the amount of police officer-related shootings that happen in this country. It's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot, and they all get off. Nobody goes to jail. Um, 
Is the racism really just a... Is it a result of just general frustration with the fact that most of these subjects are in just, you know... No, bad I, situations. No, it's not. It's, do you, or do you think it's more purebred? Like I'm, white is right. It's con, it's conditioned. Yeah, really? absolutely. Um, and what white is right? It doesn't even. It isn't even a concept that actually comes out of the mouths of most white people. But the, you know, white. The, the idea of white privilege. It has. It means that you get to pick and choose what you see and act on. So the privilege is being able to have access to resources and institutional structures that allow you the opportunity to turn a blind eye to what, is, what happens to, especially for white men, what happens to women and what happens to minorities in this country. Um, you know, I think that, the, so white, the people treat white supremacy as somebody rallying behind a Confederate flag or a Nazi flag. But what white supremacy really is, is... Um, a sensation of knowing better and creating institutions that don't listen and also believe that they're right. You know, that there's a particular good life in this country that you're supposed to lead. And if you can't lead it, it's your fault. It's got nothing to do with the, the economic and social inequalities that are built into the system for the purpose of once again maintaining cheap labor you know you know african americans in this country can't get anywhere because they really are being systematically repressed and you know we get we think that we because we elected a black president that racism's over in this country and i would say that you know every black man that got shot by the police is an indication of the other in, in addition a million other things you know the way that did you see that movie get out i gotta see that still. so the way that we kind of fetishize black culture you know where it's it's really hard to to pinpoint and explain this but as a as a white person in general who's kind of had a bit has figured out this is that um you know you're just we're just conditioned to think that we're superior you know, things that happen in this world happen to other people and not us. The people who really get exploited are the the poor and they're not white. <laughs> you know, and that's really where this, this racial superiority comes into play. Because if you're a poor Chinese girl, you're not going to have the same kind of opportunities as a poor white man. You could say the same thing about Mexicans. You could say the same thing about Brazilians and Nigerians, Liberians, people from Kenya people in poland you know it's it's like there, there's a tremendous amount of access to resources and the benefits of humanity that are only accessible to a small few that imbalance is really just fucking the whole planet up and so back to this idea of men as a gendered being yeah i came back around Thank boom God. here we are here we go um at this idea of men as a gendered being is that when you when it comes to the discourse of the pro processes of, of international development Nobody, people thinks that, that men are fixed. They can't change. You mean like the tubes are tied? <laughs> In the sense that they are, so the feminist movement was very influential in pretty much proving that women are exploited. You're familiar with this concept of patriarchy? Men, men, no, I'm not. Men rule the world. I seen it the other night at the, the production. All right, this is a very important terminology, is that men really rule the world. 
Men rule the world. Yeah, that is econ- economically, men rule the world. Well, it's eight dudes make up fucking half the world's wealth. Exactly, and then you know a bajillion more. Where's make Oprah up- land on that list, by the way? Where's she at? Oh, I have no idea. Fuck. I think she's she's on the list though. She but she's gonna be. Who's the richest woman? I think I would think that it was her. Right. <laughs> like, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's you're right. That's telling too. But this idea of patriarchy is that um, there's a system in place that keeps men in power and makes men right and everybody else wrong. So that's like not even white pride stuff. That's just like that's everything from that, here to like China. To think, fucking, think about it. I mean, or even in this country alone. Yeah. It's rich white men at the top. Yeah. Yeah. They're fucking filthy rich, and the rest of us are getting poor. So, is the patriarchy an idea, or is it a fact? It's a fact. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right. You know, and the reason why men aren't treated flu- flu- as fluidly as a gender, or even really looked at as a gender by anybody else. Who, but feminist scholars take a really hard, long look at this, but there, there are not a lot of men who look at it. Um, because... So, the feminist movement essentially proved that women were eco- were used economically, physically, emotionally, you know, the social structure was enacted in a way that kept them really subservient. And they broke out of that. And, you know, it, there are several different waves of feminism, but, it, um, the, you know, the 1960s were really the time period where that really started to change. And... What changes in the 60s that that happens? Is it the baby boomer shit? Yeah, yeah, kind of hippie movement, that sort of thing where, you know, civil rights hit, you know, gay rights, probably a little bit later on gay rights. But well, you got you got hate you got San Francisco hate Ashbury, yeah, which is relevant, but, and you so. got the Vietnam War too at the same time, which right. is you know. Uh, so there were like a lot of things in this country. In addition, you know, the destruction of World War Two really changed the social order a lot um, by creating a system that exploits women and kind of entraps them into working in domestic to, into domestic spheres and being relatively imprisoned. Um, mating uh, partners they make it so that then they can then leave the house and conduct themselves inside of the business world in order to make as much money as they possibly can Uh, because money is everything so there's this innate competition amongst men that inside of the model of the society that we are living currently incentivizes them to destructive behavior Pursuit of power. Pursuit of power is one of them, but they call it a, it's a they call it a hegemonic masculinity. So it's one model of masculinity that is the goal for every man to try to subscribe to. So in this country, it's I wish I had my notes on this one. It's basically white, you know, blue eyes, suburban, college educated, relatively decent at sports, makes a good living with wife, kids and a job that gives them the opportunity to potentially move up there in relatively good health uh, with a good physique. Um, they drive a nice car, wear nice clothes, travel around the world, etc., etc., etc. So that's the that's like the model. Um, and if you fail to subscribe to that model, you're out. I feel like that model has become commodi- commodified in this country where the economic structures figure out a way to manipulate men into becoming 
the same kind of exploited worker, not the same kind, a, a, an exploited worker like women. But at the, so, but they give men the idea that they actually have agency because they use men to exploit women. But there's like this, like you know, point oh one percent super rich. The men get kind of divided into classes, so it's a hierarchy. So you've got that like point oh one percent super rich masculinity, and then underneath that you've got a what would be considered they would consider that to be like the the executive class masculinity so lots of money fast cars you know that kind of lifestyle mm-hmm. big house you know lots of electronics and blah 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 and then underneath that would be the first level of what they call marginalized masculinities and these are the guys um you know usually working class yeah. but it, but you know this this model worked for a long time but i think in the last i'm starting to feel like in the last 30 years or so it's really started to shift and this is the group of men that gets really exploited because they wind up getting used as as the workers. Men. Yeah, they really can't move up. And they get keep getting told that they can really move up, but they can't really move up. And once again, I don't have the research for this and this is really what I wanted to look at going forward is are these the guys who really wind up c- committing suicide? Because I've lost count of how many people that I know who have committed suicide. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's to the point where uh, if somebody tells me that one, somebody that I know has died, I'm pretty much going to assume it's either OD or suicide. Well, do you know off the top of your head where the most suicides are occurring in America? No. I know during the 90s, like, South Boston was, like, really high. Interesting. But I don't know if that was somehow misclassified as drug overdoses because that's like a Bulger era. You, you know, like, but I would say the drug overdose is not really any different. Right. You know, like that's in the point you're, you have lost control of your life to the point where that that's the what you need to do. Yeah, and, uh, but furthermore, too, it's like that was just an era where nobody knew what the fuck we were dealing with. Right. And now, I mean, there's, dude, like fucking heroin, like the opioid crisis, as they call that, it. Which is huge. It's fucking like, it's a part of media life now, dude. It's unreal. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's a, I mean, they have I, health I, reports. I, they used to have health journal reports. But now it's like, oh, here's your daily opioid fucking like update. Think fucking about, like, and think about that shit, man. You know, and we get there because of the pharmaceutical companies and getting everybody hooked on all these other fucking pills, and everyone yeah. just makes a jump over to heroin. You know, because it's cheaper and uh, it's cheaper. It's easier to get. You know, getting Xanax or getting Oxycontin can be difficult. Getting heroin is sold on the street much more regularly. Well, what's wrong with job creators who are making drugs? For people <laughs> well, you that. know that's that's interesting because you know black market is still a functioning part of the economy in and of itself. You know, money is still in circulation that's changing hands, and it's probably more honest than you know the 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 act the way the economy actually works. Yeah, more. I mean, you know, it's definitely cash based as opposed to being credit based, or all these uh-huh. you know these numbers that you know drift around unheard of. Right. Yet there's still no clear set fucking established order to it. No, and the you reason know? why there is no set established order to it is because it doesn't work. Yeah, and you can't there's order standards, you, but there's no order. You can't yeah. order it because yeah. it's impossible to order. Because you know that's why we have these economic crises because you know uh, uh, you know. Global mainstream economics uh, is faulty. If, if it worked, there wouldn't be inequality. What do you think about like? Isn't it interesting now that Bit- Bitcoin's being pretty much acknowledged publicly by a lot of media? Which, in my opinion, is probably the worst thing that could happen to Bitcoin. Really? 
Yeah, it's a well, it's a crypto. I, ju- I just did a little bit of reading on this, so thank you for asking. Because <laughs> um, like you know they got like PayPal, I guess now is like so taking it and shit. It, like. It's it's a it's cryptocurrency, so it's open source. So it's like it's like the Linux of money, except it's I don't know, kind of legal. I guess it's like a gray area legal, but it allows people to take to make cash transactions uh, digitally large cash transactions digitally so it, what you can wind up doing with it is you know why you wind up taking hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars out of the circulation of the u.s economy and enter it into a shadow economy that can't be measured at all and you know gdp and economic um criteria what they base a lot of in, you know industrial world rankings on and that's like a you know that's kind of a way that nations arrange themselves inside of a hierarchy so then that way money can be allocated accordingly if this company if this country this company if this country has a tremendous amount of money taken out of it that goes into the shadow economy that's still kind of gray area legal that's like that's that's, that's, that's bad for business so I, th- I feel like bitcoin going legit is uh going to be the end of real bitcoin really I think I mean I don't fucking know I don't know anything about this but I could see that as being the way that the because what the system does and the reason why the capitalist system is so powerful is that it has the ability to uh, um, absorb uh, revolutionary ideas and and then delegitimize them or enable some kind of uh, legal structure that allows you to regulate them in a way that makes them so that they're not a threat. It's hard to be self-made, I guess. Fucking like, you know, like where uh, the marginalized class that you're speaking of is just kind of constantly looking for some sort of guidance from the so, so, so-called executive. Yeah. It's like, why can't we just think outside the, that three or four tier caste system and fucking become our own fucking motherfucker you know like isn't that that's to me that's why i think like teddy roosevelt's like an attractive fucking like persona for fucking american masculinity the guy's fucking like a bedridden child fucking you know with asthma and all this stuff and pretty much does you know everything physical in the world to do his best to overcome that fucking you know adversity and ultimately fucking becomes you know a renowned fucking sportsman and just you know, general fucking pioneer of this fucking country. And, you know, you look at the National Park and, like, that whole idea. It's that rugged sense of individuality and, and of, you know, not being... Valuing fucking nature and valuing, like, you know, making something of yourself of, of survival is really what's important. So, you know? which is interesting that you bring that up because those are the characteristics that are actually extremely detrimental to the health of the regular modern guy what qualities the sense of adventure individuality you know uh, uh, being a man's man standing up for yourself you know um, those types of things so that model right there is the one that's utilized by the system to turn men from being men and turn them into workers it's that that is how they dehumanize men so you're telling me, so it's more, yeah, so it's more human to fucking go out there and fucking want to tour and be in a band than fucking sit at the computer all day. 
I mean, you kind of like <laughs> kind of gave me low hanging fruit on that one, so I'm going to go with an emphatic yes. But yes, that's exactly right. Asking for a friend, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so Teddy Roosevelt, but he, he's. I think that he's a product of his times, and I think that he, at least the, in the the image that has been passed down in history, uh, he is still an honorable guy. You know, we would most likely apply a sense of historical revisionism to looking back on him now because he's still a white man. He's probably still racist, misogynist, and all that other shit too. But you got to take him as a product of his time. So he really didn't know any better. He just thought he was yeah, doing yeah, his thing. Yeah. Um, but this day and age, we know better. And yet we're still doing that thing. You know, we know the misogyny is wrong. We know the racism is wrong. We know the classism is wrong. We, but we still do it anyway. Well, not everybody knows it's wrong, though. Ex- Some people pine for that. Right. You know. Because if, if we keep... That sort of thing is a way of keeping people in power. Because this is back to that idea of, of if gender is a social construction, why bother even having it? You know, uh, why should boys wear blue and girls wear pink? There's no biological rationale for these types of things. There's an evolutionary psychological perspective on this, which is essentially in the Stone Age times, men and women have different priorities as far as mate selection is concerned. And based on the fact that eggs are cheap, eggs are, eggs are expensive and sperm is cheap, females have a, an advantage over mate selection. So it causes men to wind up competing with one another. Yeah. Yeah. So the if, say that again. Wait. Eggs are cheap. There's no fucking way I'm going to be able to get that sentence out that smoothly again. Eighty nine cents down at fucking the trap. By, by the dozen. By the dozen. So, um, it, the biologically speaking, what the goal is for an organism is to be able to create offspring that can then pass on their genetic information to another generation. So that's really the goal of biological life. It's not. Food, you know, it's not happiness. It's not any of that shit. All it is is passing off genes to the to another generation, so that your genetic information can go on. Are we the only species that thinks that way? You think the cats are looking at and be like, "Listen, I really yes, cat, yeah." But why can't my cat just be horny and not know what the fuck is going to happen? Well, you know, uh, um, you know, so the arguably what I consider to be really the difference between the human species and the rest of the animal kingdom is our ability to manipulate our environment. So we can, you know, you're not, animals can use tools, but you're not going to see an animal making glass. You know, like the human brain is capable, I think, on a higher level of creation than, than animals. So to answer your question. More or less, yeah, because fucking they manipulate the the environment, but like, but they're not, you know, they're not gonna like. Is it, is that like a higher sense of like intelligence it, or some shit? I, don't I mean, think like, because you're manipulating the environment, you want glass because you want to have fucking some sort of non-porous shit that's not gonna fucking get like an infection or whatever. Well, like, so humans have also moved out of pure survival. You know, most animals are not in a sense they never build a granary. Yeah, you know, they never wind up like storing a food source that's capable of withstanding multiple seasons and and being able to also sustain an entire civilization True. you know so because of the fact that humans can establish a stable food source they are then free to pursue creative activities artisanal things you know they can wind up opening businesses and stuff like that so humans can start to experiment with different types of creature comforts 
Um, once again, you're not going to find the smartest monkey or the smartest giraffe doing that. And it's just, this isn't about any kind of moral superiority. I just mean this is just facts. Yeah, yeah. Or at least my, my interpretation of observations. Yeah. Um, so at some point, we as a species lost sight of that and it became about owning things and we turned our creative activities into making new ways of owning things and then it just fucking snowballed from there but where we are in our society right now is totally blinded by our material possessions and anybody who's interested i would suggest watching this youtube video called the story of stuff it's uh it comes it, <laughs> if you're an idiot it's going to come across as being condescending if you're an intelligent person it's going to come across as being condescending to idiots so but it's essentially talks about it's 20 minutes long it's on youtube okay. um you know our consumer society after world war ii has been made and the problems that we have with, you know, obesity, diabetes, heart disease, the heroin epidemic, um, you know, rampant world poverty, climate change, all of these things, it's all been constructed. You know, it has been made by corporations in order to keep their money flowing in. And uh, if you look for the information, you can absolutely find it. And, you know, but what these guys have done is, and I'm not entirely sure when it happened, but there's a crisis happening with men these days. You know, if you look at school shooters, they're all men. They're all men. If you look at everybody who participates in the sex trade, it is most likely going to be men. You know, um, if you look at what's happening in Hollywood right now with the rampant sexual assault and sexual abuse, you know, what is the mentality that drives a man who has everything in the world at his fingertips to abuse women like that to and and to like i mean what they're talking about what harvey weinstein does is it isn't even like he like makes a pass at him like he'll he, they there was there was one woman who said something about him standing next to her at an elevator and yeah fl- waiting to get on an elevator she shot him down he jerked off in a bush it jerked off in a fucking bush you know like but th- that like real fast re- right. <laughs> so but that what that's what that activity means is that he's getting a dopamine rush out of that yeah and that means that that's the type of thing that he needs to do in order to feel good where does that rush come from though it's like neuro- people with fetishes where does neurotransmitters that come from? so i mean you know fetishes is really interesting and i'm not a scholar on sexualities but my impressions of it are are fetishes sexuality it's not gender related it's more sexuality fetishes are just what gets you off yeah you know and that kind of stuff there's you know i would be interested to see if there's a correlation you know i don't think that people in this country country really understand sexuality and uh, I don't mean that in the sense that I understand sexuality either. I think that people don't understand sexuality. We don't period. talk about it. Not only that, what we do talk about is conditioned in a way to sell us porn. Is that it? It's part of it. <laughs> you know, the type. I mean, like our our model for sexuality, at least as men, in my opinion, is based on porn, hmm. which is uh, staged, shot from different angles. You know, run in reverse. I've definitely seen an article maybe read it just about how porn's pretty much changed fucking the way that people fucking just get i mean you know like 
<laughs> like, you know, fucking this, you know, teenage adolescent, you know, people fucking, you know, just fucking hyper-fucking-stimulated off of shit, you know, that, you know... Yeah, you like know... You, our generation never really got, really, you know? <laughs> we skipped it. You know, we missed it. So, like, we started off, I mean... We, we, were, we had it, when but, we like... we were kids, it was porn magazines. You know, it, it was magazines. It, it was, like, fucking trading cards at the sawmill in right. the woods, it's bro. Right, it's not high-speed... Like, like, it's high-speed internet is what yeah. does it, because that is, a, you know, just like salty foods and, you know, fatty foods, sex is a... Uh, a, a rewarded activity as far as your brain and your neurotransmitter levels are concerned. So, but what's this shit about in Germany where like they they have porn on fucking TV, like just like it. normal fucking TV, and they say that there's like a lower rate of fucking aggravated sexual assaults because fucking dudes will just blow a load and fucking not even leave the couch. You know, so th there's this misconception that blowing a load is the type of thing that's going to stop you from performing a sexual, like a, a sex crime. You know, like it isn't about like sex crimes are not. Uh, they're they're, they're uh, my understanding of sex crimes is that they're about power. And not about sex. You know, getting your rocks off is not the same. Feeling like you're you're more of a man through this violence is you know that's what it's more about. It's about dominating somebody else. You know, it's about imposing your will. Um, and uh, you know, sex is just the method of which you're doing it. That's a whole other ball game. Having porn on TV probably says a lot more with understanding and having an appropriate social dialogue when it comes to sexuality. And less to do with, so I think that that's what's going to wind up producing sexual assault, and that, and then not equating uh, your status as a man to your sexual prowess. Is this because of fucking America having a high rate? I don't even know if it's true. Does America have a higher rate of broken homes, or, or does marriage? The fact that fucking a, a union of marriage with for parents fucking likely produce a better result of you not being full of sexual assaults or something so the family dynamic and the way that they're uh, that structure that is also a part of the that's a part of the cause where um if you have a what is considered to be a functioning household that just means that you play the system correctly if you have a dysfunctional household uh that means that the system's playing you correctly the family dynamic the like the nuclear family in this country is an extremely isolated very um uh, uh, susceptible to influence social model, you know, where they don't community backing is the type of thing that gives individuals strength. And if you can keep people away from having community, you can keep them more dependent on a monetary system. Really? You know, think about it this way. If we lived in a tight knit community, families lived to live close to one another. Uh, or if the, you know, you knew everybody who lived around here, imagine if you had an elderly parent, that you couldn't take care of, the community would be able to take care of them, and then that would alleviate that would alleviate the need for most healthcare service for for some healthcare services, and you wouldn't have to put them in an old folks home. And saying it takes a village. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That is exactly what I'm saying, and the same thing with child raising. Uh, and I think that the problem, some of the problems that you run into with these little fucking asshole kids, is because um, the system of raising them, even if it is successful, doesn't work. He, 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 this, the, he, successful in the sense of it meets the social model that's pr that's predicted is that it doesn't work, and you you know two people shouldn't be raising a child. It should be a a great support system, and especially with men because men wind up becoming very isolated. You know, there's a discourse in this in this country that talks about 
that being a woman is bad or being a gay is bad. And it makes it so that men are incapable of expressing themselves emotionally. And because they, because they, if they were to say uh, a teenage boy were to cry to one of his friends, he would, he would run the risk of somebody calling him a girl. And it makes it so that you just wind up holding all these emotions in and all this shit. And then, you know, by the time you're 30, you're alone. You work some fucking shit-ass job. You know, your only sense of emotional support is your significant other. And um, none of your friends are capable of connecting like this emotionally either. And if you do, it usually comes out in some kind of huge outburst every couple of years. Um, How's social media affecting everything? Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, it seems like everybody from every cast you speak of, from your Donald Trump fucking high, high class, your marginalized fucking weepy 10-year-old kid getting bullied, fucking making a video crying. You know, I think that social media is... There's a lot of nuances to it, and I think that has a lot to do with um, what you're, how you feel internally. You know, I think that social media has the ability to pull people together and spread good information. But it also has the ability to um, really prey upon people who are in a bad place emotionally where the, you know, I think this guy, one of the Facebook creators, I think either yesterday or the day before made some statement that, you know, Facebook has created a dopamine. It's essentially like a dopamine dispenser that people are getting hooked on, and it's it is it actually is negatively affecting not only the individual but society as well. So I think that that is something that there are individuals who are probably going to be more vulnerable to that type of thing. But I also think that there's a lot of individuals who are very vulnerable to that type of thing. So social media can be utilized as a very effective tool, but at the same time, it could also fucking rot your brain out. You know, I was kind of thinking about this a little bit today where the progressions of humanity, sometimes they have accidental side effects and it isn't necessarily the fault of the powers that be that those side effects occur, but they don't work to stop them from happening. You know, if you know, I, I would be willing to bet. I mean, it took the one of the founders of Facebook to come out and say this, but I doubt that in two days anybody will remember that that ever happened. So that means that if you, I mean, if you're going to make a statement like that, you should probably have the data to back it up. So that means they probably have the data to back that shit up. But that means that they that that we know that Facebook is creating a dopamine-driven drug that is negatively affecting the continuity of our society. And we're actually going to not only do nothing about it, but take that information and use it to make more money. You know, So it, it isn't that human progress is bad, because I've been thinking about that a lot, is that you know, capitalism drives technological progress. But it's doing it in a really unsustainable, unhealthy way. And if you look at a lot of traditional societies, like the Egyptians, or the Inca, or the Maya, or the, or the Native American empires, you know, they, a, a lot of them achieved a really high level of technological success in a way that still bonded them to the earth, to their ecology, to their local geography, and to their culture. It was sustainable, and everything that it took out of the ecosystem, it then put back into it. So... What if a chauvinist would say, well, if it was so sustainable, why aren't they still around? Because we came in and killed them all. So if they were, what if the chauvinist was like, or, they were so fucking good, why aren't they as powerful? Because 
it's not because they didn't my understanding is that they don't have the same kind of concept of power where they didn't have that the same idea of private property as early capitalists did um, where they operated more communally so although there was warfare and bloodshed and strife and all of that stuff um, it was most likely over territory and access to natural resources you know you and then, but something there, there's a movement in social history that happens in Western Europe that doesn't happen in many other traditional cultures, and is that they move out of feudalism into capitalism. Like, there's enough of a class conflict in medieval Europe that they actually, so I mean, so the feudal system is you've got wealthy landlords who operate a, pro, a, a piece of land and the serfs work on the land at some point in european history the the landlords pissed the serfs off the serfs off so much that they managed to rise up and pretty much overthrow them well they had surfboards you know and they're those things are fucking hard <laughs> <laughs> You gotta have a good core strength absolutely you know it's a lot of wind resistance <laughs> with that stuff um but that didn't happen in other parts of the world. Uh, so, in addition, the, the, I don't, and, and my understanding is that a, I don't think that there are really any other cultures who moved into the same type of feudalism. I mean, I think that China and Japan did, uh, but I, that, that stuff I'm still kind of learning about right now. But uh, Africa, South America, they, mean, they, they maintained like a high level of feudalism, but they never transitioned into capitalism, and only Western Europe did. And so Western Europe had just just had this idea that they were better than everybody else because they had, and then they just started going over and just taking it all. Can you possibly consider Eastern culture to be more progressive regarding masculinity? I don't know a tremendous amount about it, yeah. and you know I was talking to one of the professors at school the other day, and she's talking about this. This every culture has their own hegemonic masculinity like they all have this one model to which men ascribe to what i really focus on these days is that the currently there is a real crisis with men in their social development that the model of masculinity i mean there's a guy did a study where men are more likely than women to die on pretty much everything and it's because they either don't speak up and ask for help or they participate in activities that are more likely to kill them. <laughs> right, exactly. So we're stubborn. Um, What's wrong with being stubborn? Come on. It'll kill you. Oh, yeah. fuck. Yeah, it'll kill you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, in a lot of different ways. You know, smoking, drinking, eating shitty food, playing, uh, participating in dangerous sports, driving too fast. Um, working in an oil field. Working in a fucking oil field. Uh, you know, working in a lab, working behind a bar. Any of that shit. You know, we gotta. We're more likely to take part in those types of activities. Is it a higher risk than childbirth? I have no idea. I would probably. Say, I mean, childbirth is one thing versus the majillion things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's funny too because if you read the study, and the, the study is like based on data, so the entire thing is really just explaining. You know, here's the stats, here's the stats, here's the stats. And they get to a conclusion, and they're like, you know, the only thing here that is similar amongst all of these very different a avenues 
is that they're all men. And there's something about masculinity that is inherently bad. Like, you know this idea of toxic masculinity? No. Have you heard that? All right, well, that's the phrase. So toxic masculinity, you know, uh, emphasis on what they would consider, you know, um, being power-driven, very dominating, heightened aggression, um, you know, misogynistic, sexual abusing, um, you know, that, that type of thing. That's what that's what they would describe to as toxic masculinity, and what I would probably say is that the entire model of masculinity in and of itself is toxic. Okay, it it, it will kill you. Not you know they it it will kill you, um, and at the same time, you know you live a relatively isolated, empty life, and not quite understand why you'll be pretty depressed, probably hooked on some kind of substance, um, you know, and you'll just be fucking miserable. And they and, and it's created like that to keep you fucking going to work and your fucking job, and build a society that continuously shoves money to the top. So what I what I suggest is that you know we stop trying to figure out what makes a man a man, and figure out what takes it what what makes a male a, a fucking useful person. You know, and being able to fucking arm wrestle or being able to jump off of a cliff onto a table that's wrapped in barbed wire that's on fire um, is not a sh- how what makes a man. Being in the military isn't what makes a man. Being a hunter and a killer or, you know, being the the immovable, unemotional head of your household. You know, those well, are being a hunt is a good thing to have, though. I mean, back in the old day, we wouldn't be here fucking if we didn't know how to hunt. If you want to go out and shoot or hunt, and you eat what you hunt, and you you honor the spirit of that animal by more power. I don't really have an objection to something like that. I do. I would say that you don't have to do that. And yeah, you're just talking about fucking elephant hunting. Yeah, and fucking, uh, you know, you know, any of the big game hunting in general. But yeah. uh, you know, killing another creature at this day and age is unnecessary. You don't have to do it. If you, there's no there's no reason why you need to kill it for food. Oh, you, you know, gotta eat somehow. Yeah, you can go to the store and eat, or you, you know. Yeah, but that meat industry is really. Not I, that and bad. I totally agree <laughs> with that. I agree with that too. But you know, I, I'm not morally opposed to it. I think that under a certain set right of circumstances, yeah, yeah. it's totally fine. Um, but yes, the meat industry and the dairy industry—that shit is fucking horrible. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's horrible. It's really bad. Um, You're a vegetarian. So yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, right. Right. Oh yeah. Oh, dude, it's fucking. How's being a vegetarian affect your masculinity? By the way, everybody. I mean, everybody treats you like you're a fucking woman for doing it. You know, like. Oh. <laughs> I mean, but but that's the thing is like you know consuming. What do you mean? Like tell you to go to the ladies' room? And yeah, stuff? you know like, they were. What are you? You, you know, you're not a man, and you know it's it's got nothing to do with that. It's like, dude, I'm not fucking gonna eat that poisonous shit you know but it's also what do you want to take care of yourself yeah exactly but, the, but that's also one of these reasons why men die is because the it, they, the idea of participating in activities that are good for your health and your mental health are feminized you know only women do yoga only women write in a journal only women only women talk about their feelings you know like if you fucking did those things you'd be a much happier person you know but it's like but guys don't do that shit because girls do that who's the best who are two good masculine authors you think that are, are beneficial for for reading for reading um it's really complicated because i think you need the the basis there, there's an uh, there so the, off the top of my head there's an article called doing gender that doing i think gender. doing gender that i think is really interesting to read but i would probably youtube a lot of this stuff because um 
I'm gonna say Hemingway and Bukowski. He's, I mean, Hemingway is a fucking <laughs> piece of you know piece of work in and of himself. Bukowski, I don't really know a whole lot. Yeah, he just gets drunk and yeah, they're all like that. Just fucking crap. Right, but that's the thing is that you know that's like this model of masculinity that we go with. But you know, Hemingway killed himself. You know, so did Jack London. So did lots of authors. Or they're drunks and they die alone. You know, like the 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 that idea is romanticized, but it's actually a really fucking shitty way to live. That usually makes you either drink yourself to death or blow your brains out. You know, and um, I think that that sort of shit should be changed. I think that there's two ways of doing it, and one of them is that play uh, death metal. Play death metal. I mean, you know, I but that's a, a whole other thing in and of itself. But I think that boys between the ages of 12 and 17 are extremely vulnerable to this type of socialization. They don't have a lot of positive male role models who teach them um, how to be a good person. I think that they live in a world that's surrounded by messages that uh, are predatory and that turn men into th things to be preyed upon by, you know, to be utilized for their labor power and um, inst then institutionalized, you know, prison systems and all that shit, too. I mean, that's a whole other fucking story. What's more detrimental for men's health between 12 and 17? Is it the physical or the mental health? It's when they start to shift... Um, into a more adult type of socialization that in which they start to isolate emotionally and socially. If you keep them connected and believing in themselves, they will most likely turn out to be better adults who will have self-respect and, you know, like, because it's, it's very complicated. You know, the I feel like the feminist movement really rattled the cage of what a man is supposed to be and I feel like that's uh, something that is not as clear as it used to be I think back in the 1950s you know you do these things you're a man you gain the respect in the society and then I think that started the shift in the 1960s so you get people like in our parents generation uh, that really grew up as a hybrid where their fathers are telling them to be one way but the society is changing in a way that makes them start to ask questions and then we're raised by men who don't know what manhood is so we're never really taught and then now we're there's another generation of boys who are being raised not only by men who have no idea what the fuck they're trying to do anymore uh they're also being bombarded with uh you know st stimuli all the time that's completely warping their sense of self, their sense of values, their sexualities, and the way that they um, operate in interpersonal connections and communities. When you say earlier that we become enslaved more or less by material possessions, mm -hmm. what would you, what do you think that says about people who are record collectors and, and music collectors in general? That's a tough one. Because record collections are cool, <laughs> but, at the same, are but, cool. but at the same time, it, it does not necessarily fill a a basic human need. You know, like if you know the hierarchy of human needs is in food, shelter, love, and records. You know, it's just food, shelter, and love is enough. You know, like yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, so that's Maslow, right? Right. Uh, you know, but it's does it give us purpose? I, I mean, musicians. When you think about it in the end, when it's like it's kind of always been. The, it's sort of like a joke, but I think it says something where it's a joke amongst our peers. Where it's like, oh, you're at a show tonight. Fifty people here. Fifty of them are in bands. You know, like 
You're not exactly casual motherfuckers doing it. And you're kind of enthralled by culture as globalized as it is. Like you're you're intrigued by it and fucking you you kind of obsessed to chase it. Here's here's the question, right? Is that in, in a world where so much of the population is suffering as a result of a small percentage of the population's desire for material possessions increases. Is it okay to collect things, you know? And and can you do that in a moral way? You know, where it's like if you, you know, you have these things or I have, you know, I have books, I have guitars. You know, I I'm, I I have those things but we have these things on the backs of millions of people. You know, the reason why we have the vinyl that those are made out of is because we've extracted it from some country and left them desolate and, you know, their, their, their basic needs aren't met so that we can have creature comforts. That being said, this is not a Lexus. This is not a luxury car. You know what I mean? Like... This is something that is... So I guess the question I'm asking is, if if there are so many people suffering, why are we allowed to have anything? You know, it, until they're not suffering the same way. But yes, it does show... It, it is a status symbol, at least in our community, you know, where the bigger your record collection, the more true you are. You know, shit like that. But, no, like, yeah. but, it, but that also has a lot to do with the fact that you love metal and that you're connected to the community and it's important to you. And record collecting is su- directly supporting the community and, and, the, yes, and the arts. And that's, that's honestly definitely aside the answer that I, I've really gotten nervous past. I mean, it's like you think about it too, the fucking clothes. You know, I mean, clothes is, you know, it's one of the hierarchy of needs, obviously. Right. Um, but in the end, who the fuck has fucking 50 fucking black t-shirts and they're fucking, right. you know, filled with illegible fucking But logos. I collect t-shirts and I, I really dig yeah. it. But, uh, you know, it's supporting art and it's supporting human creativity. Mm. And, um... Gives me a place to go. Yeah. Fucking, like, that's well, for sure. Fucking, when I was fucking, you know, when you speak of being, you know, retracting from fucking social situations and yep. shit like that gave me a fucking place to go. Yeah, man. A little escape. And being in a band and being a musician gives you, you know, I feel like, you know, for us, the that model of masculinity doesn't really touch us in the same way because in being in a band, you're so fucking reliant on other pe- the other people in your band that you can't possibly pretend, you know? You're strapped in a van with them for 30 fucking days at a time. Like, yeah. you can't hide. Yeah. You can't. You can't hide. <laughs> There's no fucking <laughs> no fucking way. And I, you know, I remember the first time that I went on tour. The, the the one of the things that I was really afraid about was I was like, holy fuck, these guys are gonna see everything. You know, the fucking mask of you know, cool dude and everything I've been trying to do was like that shit's gonna come down, and I'm gonna be totally humanized. Uh, and You're gonna see me in my underwear, right? <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> it, it, but it's. It's, but not only am I going to be humanized, but it's imperative in order to, for me to do that in order to get through this. Right. Because, and you know, that I feel like that's that's a little different when you asked me earlier about, you know, family and our band's family. I think the bands are bands. You know, there's like a, it's, it's, it's more and less than family at the same time. You know, family is, 
they're you're blood related so there's a certain level of attachment but with bands you choose to do that because everybody's dedicated to a certain role and you also know that nobody is going to get where they need to be unless they're supported by the other people around them right you know i because I, this is a fucking it's a hard-ass lifestyle and uh it ain't easy and especially with metal you gotta want to do it a lot of masculine dudes a lot of masculinity in the metal yeah um, yep there there is and it's interesting too because they're what i would refer to as like a marginalized masculinity because a lot of the metal heads are going to be fucking playing D and and being nerds and you know and and metal is the kind of the thing that made me feel better you know because i was you know I'm a huge nerd, and it took. I was a fucking wicked awkward kid, and it took me a long time to really come into my own, you know, till I was at least in my twenties, and I was just a, you know, just a fucking little dweeb. Yeah. But I was smart, and I got away with that. But, um, but you know, metal made me feel tough. When I listened to metal, I felt like a fucking badass, you know, and uh, it made me feel strong and empowered. And so I you legitimately, fe- inadvertently. Legitimizingly, yeah, making a case for Man of War right now. <laughs> I could see how Man of War. I, I understand Man of War. I don't really care for them a whole yeah, heck yeah, of a yeah, lot, yeah. but I did. But no, you're out. You are absolutely right. It's like that. You're, that's exactly what's happening. Metal makes us strong. Metal, metal does make you strong, man. And um, it's fucking metal, bro. It's not called wood. Imagine <laughs> it's just called fucking yo. We're playing some fiber. <laughs> like, I'm playing a fucking wood band, jamming out in this fucking wood band. Dude. Yeah, we got a new porcelain band. Uh, is that that? Is that that birch band? Birch. You guys play? Oh, uh, what do you do? Uh, we're, we play oak. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're, we're long lasting. You know, we're heirloom. Right. It's nothing it, too fucking. You, you know, the weak shits, the fucking balsa wood. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that shit's just a bunch. That's just a bunch of kindling right there, man. Yeah. Seriously. Loose, loose, loose leaves and twigs. But I actually just wrote a fucking editor write a research paper for my class entitled The International Appeal of Heavy Metal Music. And I spoke about how part of the namesake is gained from fucking Birmingham, England, where there's nothing but giant massive metal forges fucking oh, is that pounding really? the whole time. Oh, and fucking dudes like Tony whoa. Iommi are in sheet metal factories getting their fingers chopped off. Fucking like... I didn't fucking know that. That's crazy. Yeah. Huh. Fucking you hear that yeah. shit all the time. How about that? Yeah, bro. I thought it was just... It was what's harder than rock. Well, stick that in your paper. I will. Absolutely. <laughs> so one thing I'm, I'm really uh, thinking about doing is... Um, Figuring out a way to turn touring into an academic activity. Really? Uh, so, it would require. I need a. I need kind of a question to ask, and I haven't quite figured out what it is. But I would like to figure out. You know, I'd like to learn something about the men in the metal community, and I don't really know what it is. Some sort of fucking paleontology, motherfucker. You know. uh, ethnographic is the term that has been ethnographic. used. Ethnographic. Ethnographic. Um, and I would that comes have with to the Genesis, right? Huh? You get that system with the Genesis, I think. Ethnographic. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the and it's the engine that, that ran that one. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Um, that was the first Madden game I played. <laughs> so I yeah, so I'd like to figure out a way, to, and I'm kind of working on that right now because uh, touring is inconsistent, and they don't really tell you when you're going on tour, and uh, I don't want to have to interrupt this graduate program in order to do that. So if I could figure out a way to 
research it. We gotta go to fucking some other country, dude. Like, it's fine. That's what fucked me up. I said earlier though, it's like going to fucking a, a country like Peru and Ecuador and not knowing any real Spanish, like no, like studying it for years in, in school, but never really using it. Like, yeah. You know. Wow. I mean, I learned more about myself and the world in, in that that period, you know, and then. What'd you learn? Learned about fucking dependency on yourself, really. About fucking um, staying focused. As, as silly as that sounds, like fucking, but like, you know, not breaking down when you're really fucking tired and got altitude sickness and up there and sick and fucking just keep going. Fucking all sorts of shit. Woman? Fuck. Some of my. It's like fucking 20 years old down there. Fucking some of my, you know, earliest experiences, really. Fucking, it's like, the broads in high school would fucking sleep with me and fucking even want to be around me, for fuck's sake, Sam. You know, I got to go to a third world country to fucking be enamored, you know? Like, That's all right. But, you know, but, you know, obviously you go, after years of being conditionalized by that sort of train of thought and masculinity that you've described, it's mm-hmm. like kind of a, a crucial fucking... Uh, Come to terming, thing like, like that. Like a coming of age. Coming, yeah, come, yeah, coming age. Are you talking come about touring? Are you talking about touring? Yeah, well, you were women. asking me about what I learned on that tour, uh, and it's yeah. like fucking yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like that. That was it. I mean, and and furthermore, I mean, it was just it was a real test. It's like God, dude. Like we were in a fucking Corolla, literally about the size of that couch that you're yeah, sitting fuck on, that dude. Shit, man. Yeah, like it was stupid, fucking how bad that was. You know, and I think that th- this idea of coming of age that you talk about, I think that that's really interesting because that that's not something that we have in our society. It's and if we do, it's peer driven instead of driven by the elders. It isn't something that's taught to young men. It's something that young men try to figure out. And I think that a lot of this um, risk taking behavior, driving fast, participating in dangerous sports, uh, you know, having risky sexual encounters. Uh, a lot of that is to prove your manliness because there isn't an actual a- activity or rite or ritual that will actually prove your manliness so you can stop being such a fucking jackhole and get on with your life. Have you heard about the culture in northern Colombia that fucks donkeys? <laughs> I'm not I'm not making a joke. Like, Vice not. did a fucking story. I have it. not. Search Vice donkey sex or whatever. Vice donkey sex. Yeah, because it plays in exactly what you're talking about. If I die, you delete that out of my <laughs> browser history, okay? That's the deal. You probably watch it on YouTube, bro. Fucking yeah, honestly. Fucking, like, it, it, you know, you'll just fall into like a, a hole like that one night, literally. No, no pun intended. <clears throat> but, uh, no, there's like this little microcosm of fucking dudes that fucking bang donkeys because fucking. That's masculine. Like it somehow worked out that way, and they, you know, fucking, they think it makes your cock grow bigger too. Fucking, I guess. Fucking, it, it increases your cock. That's probably what the first dude said when Are he got don- caught nailing uh, it. He's like, "No, oh, it makes your cock grow bigger." Are the donkeys <laughs> into it? Yeah. No, I don't. I don't know. What do you think? You think a donkey's consenting? I mean, I would imagine it'd be fucking trying to kick it. You know, kick I, the fucking yeah, hell out. Yeah, I really of don't you. know how to approach that. Like, talk about a high risk situation, right? When men put them, themselves in here. Yeah, off exactly. Of, you know. Just, you know and all that shit's the, you know, that, that stuff's really different too because then you don't want to wind up applying a set of Western cultural morals. You know, people in different parts of the world do different things. So if yeah. donkey fucking is part of their culture, we, you know, we look down on it, but it might be perfectly normal for them. So yeah. I guess it's important to not, uh, you know, 
take that away from them, I guess. But at the same time, if it's like, you know, animal abuse... You know, this is where it gets really. This is where kind of international politics and 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 cultural sensitivity gets a little weird, because to us, animal abuse is wrong. To other cultures, animal abuse might not be a big deal. Right. Um, well, it's probably not. Yeah, I mean, for lack of a better word, it's just part of life. It's, you know. Right, and then but then you get into this like, then you get into kind of a strange ethical position where. You have to ask, is the animal's right to not be in pain and suffer universal enough to impose your cultural beliefs in stopping its practice? And this idea of rights alone is kind of an imposition of cultural practice because the way that we think about having rights is a Western idea. It kind of makes me think of, often, one of the things that fucked me up the most about that first tour in South America mm. was in every city there were just these packs of wild dogs. I saw that when I was in Colombia too, man. Right? It was crazy, right? And But regarding animal abuse and stuff and morality, is it ethical to fucking just get dogs off the street and put them in a shelter and fucking kill them? Or do you fucking just let them fucking roam out there and fucking... And it was just like an odd thing. I'm like, well, it's like, why am I so bothered by dogs in the fucking street mm-hmm. that are fucking eating trash? It's because I fucking never see it. Fucking Because right. we don't have that problem because we fucking killed the dog. Right? Like, right. So there lies like this like weird like kind of dilemma where it's like fucking like... You're it's happy like, to see a dog that's all ragged, tagged, whatever, and just living, and you're like, oh, that guy's got to do what he does to survive, but, you know. But we would also look at that as, you know, uh, packs of wild dogs in our in our country have a different social connotation than they would somewhere else. You know, I don't know what causes packs of wild dogs in different countries, but if you had packs of wild dogs in this country, it would definitely imply a, a high level of, social infrastructure breaking down like you know dogs as an animal mean something different to us like we don't really see dogs in the wild or out in the street they're all they're all like pets bro the only fucking things that we see in packs le- legit are ducks geese birds which are but the yeah, yeah and like yeah. other like types of birds flocks of birds birds with a feather you know yeah yeah they're and then like buffalo yeah like deer. what else, I mean deer I see like that they don't, they don't pack though they don't pack no like, you're talking wild, in-the-wood shit that packs. And it's like, fucking wolves. Don't really see them, though. No. We, I mean, like, we probably would eradicate them, you know, because yeah, it's a threat. Yeah, consider them a threat. Interesting. Yeah. Fucking every other part of the, con- of the world pretty much would have... I mean, this is a fucking big country, too, dude. Fucking, like, th- it's not like, you know, Australia's fucking... Nearly the same size, and they got a ton of shit. Granted, see, it's like, not as much. You can see wild dogs in the southwest, probably. I don't think we have, have we? I don't think so. Not I mean, packs, maybe, maybe, nah, maybe like a couple of them. You get the prairie dogs and all that sort of thing. Definitely see some mangy looking dogs yeah. out there, but but you don't even like sheep are like herded, but like in cow, but that's all fucking livestock. There's no right. real pack of fucking animal other than you know. Geese, fucking ducks, automatically birds, fucking flocking there, and then buffalo, which are extremely sparse to begin with and fucking protected for the most part. You know, it's interesting, too, because those are all prey animals. Huh. 
you know, where uh, packs of dogs are predatory. So it's wild. Yeah, yeah, wild dogs. What a wild world. Yeah, maybe like have the idea of having them be able to walk around implies that there's you know lack of public works capable of mitigating a fucking predator, a group of predators walking around the street. Like, the only predators are supposed to be the police. Apex predator. Easy, mate. Alright, uh, refugees are very fucking welcome. Uh, you probably should get going soon, I think. Yeah, it's probably. Fucking, My brain hurts. What do you want to say about the new Abnormality album? Fucking, uh, uh, you, you've been writing a lot of stuff for this, and it's pretty nasty. Tell... tell. new Abnormality record, as it is, stands right now, it's going to be fucking dope. Uh, it's gonna be. You mean like heroin? Oh yeah. Gonna be oh yeah. It's gonna, gonna be on the news every night. Yeah. It's like... gonna be on the fucking news every night. They're gonna put abnormality watch lists out. <laughs> They're gonna be like, "Yo, this is the you know the next breaking update. <laughs> this shit is brutal as fuck. We'll see you tomorrow night." You know, um, it's gonna be. Yeah, I am really pleased with the way that it's coming along. I feel like we're in a good vibe, uh, writing with it. We're in a good place. Everything's moving quickly. Hopefully we'll be in the studio by the end of February, which I actually think looks like a very reasonable time period. Um, it'll be different than the last record in a good way. Uh, I think it will be much more coherent as an album beginning to end. I think that as a band you know because like when we did the last one i was like brand new to that so you know a couple of u.s tours and a full-length record later uh i feel like everybody's kind of more in tune no this is the most fluid we've ever wrote by yeah far. it's still taking us a year to do this but i yeah. uh, but at the same time um where we stand with it right now i'm actually and i actually i was stressed out about it for a while but i i don't think i've been stressed out about it for the last couple of months where i've actually felt like i'm like yeah okay this is progressing where I want it to be. It's nice to be worried about other stuff like school and yeah, fucking no shit. Everything believe else. Believe it or not. <laughs> just set of just sitting around worrying about it. Yeah, but it's actually like yeah, it's coming along quite nicely. I think that we'll be definitely ready to go by the time the deadline comes up. We just gotta figure out who's recording it. Yeah, no. You know? No shit. But I guess Metal Blade was asking for demos and stuff so they could scope it out and oh, you know. Yeah. We have enough stuff to send them. So that's And here great. we are. And well, here we are. Mr. Sam Kirsch. Mr. Josh Staples. Tis a pleasure. Uh, likewise. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for being here. I know uh, I'm sporadic and fucking a little challenging with some, some of the uh, peanut gallery. My pleasure, man. I'll talk about <laughs> anything. There's very few things that I enjoy in this world more than the sound of my own voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, at least you're masculine enough to admit that. You're you man know, enough to admit that. Not, not a problem. <laughs> it's not a problem. All right, buddy. Thanks for being here. Cheers. Uh, thanks, man. Cheers. See you.